key thing is to find ways to get into our kids' world, spend time with them. Maybe that means sitting down playing video games with them, you know, doing what they like to do and hang out with them and look for those opportunities to just enter their world and engage in meaningful conversation about the stuff that matters. The more we invest in them, then they're going to navigate some of these conversations with you. And that's where values are passed on. Jonathan McKee is with us on Focus on the Family, and your host is Focus President and author Jim Daly. I'm John Fuller. Hey, John, here's a declaration. Being a teenager is never easy. Although, I'd kind of like now to go back to being a teenager. If, if I had this capacity what today... What year would you pick? What, what oh, I age? Don't, definitely not the freshman year. Yeah, I would agree. <laughs> Low man on the totem pole. <laughs> but, I mean, it's just tough when you're trying to figure out who you are, what you're about. Mm-hmm. Is your faith your own or is it your parents? All those things. And... Uh, you know, all the other stuff the culture's throwing at you, social media, pornography. I mean, there's so many things now that are readily available uh, to teenagers and particularly teen boys. And we're going to talk about that today. And uh, Jonathan McKee is an expert on this topic. He was once a teen boy and, <laughs> and he has done 20 years of youth outreach and youth ministry and He's written a number of books. He's been here before a number of times as well. His most recent uh, topic is A Guy's Guide to Four Battles Every Young Man Must Face. Jonathan, welcome back to Focus. Ah, Thanks for having me. Always a delightful conversation. Okay, you've heard that intro. Uh, What do you think are the biggest differences between the way maybe we grew up? You're a little younger than me, but you probably still grew up in an era where things were a little simpler compared to what teen boys are growing up with today. Absolutely. It could be summarized by just saying um, more accessibility and less accountability. That's the big difference. Because, I mean, when we were all growing up, there was temptations all around us. I mean, there was definitely raunchy music. There was definitely pornography available. But like pornography, I mean, it was a friend showing us his dad's magazine or it was at a liquor store down an aisle somewhere. And, And maybe that was a temptation for some of us. But it wasn't coming through every Wi-Fi signal in the house. Yeah. Today, there's more accessibility. Same with music. Same with movies. I mean, sure, we could sneak into a movie theater or go rent that movie, right? Where you had to sneak to the video store, convince the guy to actually give you the R-rated movie. Of course, none of us ever did that. But if by chance that was us, that was what it was like back then. And now it's coming again through all these different signals, through these devices that are right there in our bedroom and Sadly, most parents allow these devices into the bedroom, so there is the less accountability. And that's the overarching truth right there, and that's what makes it so difficult for parents today, uh, especially moms, I think, that worry terribly and understandably about what their boys are seeing and going through and experiencing. Let's start on a little higher side. And what I mean by that is kind of the overview. You, In your book, uh, Guy's Guide to Four Battles, uh, you talk about a man sometimes, but certainly team boys too, our lack of ability to ask for directions or instructions. That's me. It's do you universal. You read the instructions, John? You're I, firstborn. I try first to <laughs> do it myself, and then if I need to, I look at the directions. I don't think I've ever read a set of instructions putting something together, which does mean I leave a few parts out. <laughs> but <laughs> why is that? Yeah. It is. It's, it's, it's our stigma. It's part of being a man, right? You got to just, you got to man through it. And so I talk about that because I think that tends to be a tendency. It's a pride thing with us, with, with guys. And, and, you know, sadly, if we go through this journey of life uh, without looking at the manual, 
you know, we need to be in the Word of God. And so that's one of the things that I talk with young men about, and I, I use a story of using the manual to, to, to talk about that and bring that to light because it is kind of a humility thing. It's, it's so it's a, pride that keeps yeah, us from doing absolutely. it. Absolutely. It's one of those things where we need to realize because so often as we're facing these things, our tendency is to keep it secret, to not tell anybody, to try to do it on our own, as opposed to doing what the Word of God says, which is reach out to others and in a world full of explicit lies to look in the explicit truth of the Word of God. And that's the place we need to go. So this book, you know, is one of those excuses to get guys digging into the Word. Uh, Video games, you mentioned that and uh, how you use it to teach your boys about learning from others' mistakes. You got to tell me how to do this one. Well, yeah, no, no. I mean, obviously, (laughs) I mean, this is one of the huge subjects as we're talking about the four battles, these four distractions in young people's life. Uh, Probably the biggest complaint I hear from parents at my parent workshops is how do I get my son to stop playing Fortnite, you know, or Apex Legends or whatever the game is at the time, you know, all night long. I cannot pry them from that. And you guys have sons, you probably can relate to this that. I mean, will be the golden answer just everybody's one, waiting for. Just yeah. one more minute, Dad. Yeah, yeah, exactly. One more, one more day, Dad. And uh, it's just, it's one of those things. And so, yeah, I used a video game example of talking about something that all young men understand. And it's the fact that very often we'll go through like, you know, if you're playing a video game and you, and you go through a room and, and all of a sudden you go through a door and you get demolished by a bunch of bad guys, right? And it happens, well, immediately the cool thing is if on a video game, if you die, it just says you're dead and it puts you back to that next, that last starting point, you know, right. where you are. And you just get to have this nice little do-over, you know? If only life were that simple, right? And the thing is, I've never seen... A young man go, hey, let me, let me go do that same stupid mistake again. We they learn from that mistake. They're they're better equipped to walk through that door or avoid that door altogether. And it's one of those things where we can learn, we can see. And and here's the other crazy thing. Guys always play together, right? They'll they'll play and they'll see a buddy go through a door like that and they think to themselves immediately, well, I'm not gonna go through that door. Well, this is great life application for us. This is the exact same stuff we can do in life is we don't have to go out and say, no, I I better learn this for myself. Let me drink myself silly. I mean, we can see this stuff happen and learn from this. You're not saying this, but what I like about what you're saying, and I I would ask moms to think about this because I think moms struggle a bit more with this. And I'm sure a few moms have gone after dad, but to use the kid's environment to teach a lesson, not to say stop, but to say, you know, son, what is this teaching about life? I Absolutely. mean, you can make it a little more playful, but I enjoy that kind of parenting. I, you know, and I, but I think sometimes um, men may get that a little quicker to engage a son with what he's doing rather than say, stop doing it, and here I'll tell you why. But to engage them in, in their activity and begin to give them a, a short lesson about what that's teaching. I like that, but I want to make sure we all catch it. No, Jim, that, that's one of those things where we have the opportunity to, as we're entering their world and walking through life with them, to be able to have a meaningful conversation about something that matters. And our tendency sometimes as parents is to quickly overreact. If we see our kids playing too many video games, it's we, we go to the boundaries. We quickly, hey, you've had too many hours of video games, as opposed to instead of overreacting, interacting, maybe playing that video game with their kid. Mm-hmm. Because when we enter their world and actually, you know, go to player with our kids, 
I found that my son talked. <laughs> I found that to, very you know, embarrassing. Yeah, yeah, it, it can be because you know they they kill us all yeah, the time. They wipe but us but out. the fact is, those are some of the best times, and we've talked about that before on the show. And to be able to have those moments, to have those conversations, that's powerful stuff. That's where values are passed on. Do you think? Do you think, Jim, that uh, for a lot of parents, it's that my kid's not going to get it right away, so I have to point out the obvious to them. There's a certain patience you have to have as you wait for mm. uh, any teenager to kind of grab onto the life lesson. Isn't it may it? be more temperament than it is gender but huh. you know you know if you have a black and white person a mom or a dad i think they tend to go to that black and white clarity to yeah. say here's the line don't cross that line as opposed to using the moment to teach and mm-hmm. to show them through what they're experiencing a principle of proverbs or what god might say to them in that environment yeah. and you can do that in such a light-handed way and i think it has profound uh, impact on our kids uh, more than here's the line never cross it mm. I, I think that's my personal uh, insight. But uh, Jonathan, I love the way you have that introspection about yourself. And in the book, you put it out there. You don't hide your own shortcomings. But you mentioned a hilarious story, which probably at the time wasn't too funny, uh, but it was a, a, a distraction. It had become a distraction in your life. What was going on? Yeah, you know, it's it's one of those stories that I think uh, young people identify with just because it's one of those silly moments. And uh, I love I love mountain bike riding, uh, but I'm not what I would call a mountain bike rider by any means. Uh, that could be dangerous. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I love to be on a mountain bike with my friends, but I, I have friends like my friend Mark, who man, this guy, he will take any terrain, anything. So so I actually went mountain biking with my friend Mark and. Uh, <laughs> And we went up towards Lake Tahoe, and Lake Tahoe is gorgeous. It's right there in the Sierras. And I knew this particular trail we we're going to take was kind of a precarious trail, and he warned me about it. And so right before we, we go out, he goes, okay, now, Jonathan, listen to me if you don't want to die today. And I go, okay, you got my attention. I, I, I don't want to die. He goes, now, here's what you do. He goes, this trail goes back and forth. It's really crazy. He goes, but there's a couple great lookout spots, and we'll, we'll eventually stop. He goes, but don't take your eyes off the trail. As a matter of fact, he said, and he pointed to his back wheel right at the center at the hub. He goes, keep your eyes right on my hub. He goes, when it goes left, you go left. When it goes right, you go right. He goes, keep your eyes focused right on that one thing and you won't die. And I said, okay, keep my eyes on the hub. Don't die. And man, he was right. Cause when he took off on this trail, man, he was going all over the place. And when he went fast, I tried to go fast. When he slowed down, I definitely slowed down. Right. I went right, left, I went right. And it was a crazy trail. And man, I was so glad to have him guiding me. And I kept my eyes right on the hub. But we finally came around this clearing. And off in my peripheral vision, I could see this amazing blue something to my right. And I realized it's Lake Tahoe. And if you have never seen Lake Tahoe, it is the most gorgeous. It is the most gorgeous deep blue you have ever seen. And I was just thinking, I'm just going to take a little peek because it's this beautiful and he's not stopping and this is the perfect place to stop. So I just, I couldn't help. And I remembered, look at the Hubbard eye, look at the Hubbard eye. And I was like, (laughs) I just couldn't, I was like, but it's so beautiful. And I just looked over to the right over there and I was like, oh, wow, how beautiful. And the trail turned left. I didn't see it. I went right off the edge. True story. Literally just right off the edge. And luckily there was this little Christmas tree just kind of right. And and because it was one of those edges. I don't think I would have died, but man, I would have broke some serious bones. I reached out and I just grabbed the Christmas tree like elf, man. I just grabbed that thing and the Christmas tree just dipped and went, and I was like, hold on, little tree. And I sat there and I was dangling onto this tree. And it was so funny because, I mean, there's nothing wrong with looking at a lake. 
But the fact is, sometimes in life, Hmm. there's distractions that keep our eyes off the focus of what we should be focused on. And it was one of those moments where I realized, hey, you know what? There's There's nothing wrong with video games, you know? There's things in our life that sometimes are distractions and keep us from focusing on the things that matter. And that's one of those illustrations I give in the book where we talk about, hey, how do we stay focused on the things that matter? Jonathan, uh, we've been talking about these four battles Mm -hmm. that young men will face. We haven't really named them. So what are they? Absolutely. Uh, Sexual temptation, screens, controlled substances, and struggles with self-esteem. Those Uh are the four biggies. Those are the ones that Mm -hmm. guaranteed if a mom comes up to me and asks a question about her son and says, hey, I got to ask you, my son, I know it's going to be one of those four things. Yeah. I would think, um, you know, again, being a dad of teenagers, I would think that self-image is kind of the foundation there because the other things behaviorally come from poor mm-hmm. self-image and impact on your self-image or wanting to be something special in the crowd, what have you. Self-image, what are the obstacles there? What are the battles? How do we encourage a teen boy in his self-image? No, it's a great question, especially because these four battles seem to intertwine so much. I mean, because self-image is now so tied up in screens. And so in a world where screens are becoming such a distraction, I mean, and this is this kind of new territory for us as parents, because when you look at the greater history of mankind, I mean, we've really only, you know, as a country, only had smartphones in our pockets for like the last like seven years. So this is kind of new stuff where young people are carrying social media in their pocket. I mean, because it really wasn't until 2012 that, that Snapchat and Insta and all this stuff emerged. And since then, every expert out there is pointing to this social media and these devices in our pockets as the source to all the problems with anxiety, depression, you know, their self-esteem is so caught up in this little, I call the smartphone a little barometer of self-esteem. And if you think about this for a guy today, it's like, well, how many friends do you have? A lot of them would, well, let me check real quick. They go right to their device. I'll tell you how many friends I have. You know, you know, how am I trending right now? What crazy thing have I done to get likes? You know, and so this is a sad situation for, and honestly, everybody's trying to kind of figure it out right now. Um, Our country's in a spot where, we saw both Apple and Android last year just recently come up with all of a sudden screen time limits and stuff for the first time because there was this outcry of, hey, something's wrong here. Young people are getting so caught up in devices. Uh, scratch that. Not young people. People right. are getting so tied into these devices. And so that's one of the big struggles right now is helping young people realize that their identity is so much more than just the likes you receive on Insta. <laughs> yeah, and you know, the application, again, nothing new under the sun. Jesus spoke a lot about a person's image and self-image yeah. and those kinds of things. So how do you take the way Jesus spoke about self-image and parlay that into a real-world experience with your team boy today? Well, in a world where everybody wants to be liked, I think a lot of us, you know, we're, we're going for attention in wrong ways. And Jesus was such an amazing example of someone who just cared for others. And I love just when you read Jesus stories with your kids. And that's one of the things in the book, I tell a few stories. I tell some basic stories. We're talking like Sunday school stories, like Zacchaeus, the woman at the well. The way Jesus treated people, there was some people that I think a lot of young people can identify with today. A Zacchaeus kind of maybe made some bad choices, maybe not liked by the crowd. 
But yet Jesus just called out and said, hey, Zach, let's do dinner tonight. I want to hang out with you. And Jesus cared about Zach because of just the fact of who he was, you know, and it didn't matter about his past, but his future was incredibly important to Jesus. And this is one of those things where young people, again, we can get so caught up in our identity and and, and how many actual likes we have on Instagram or, or whatever. And our identity as a believer is in Christ. And it's so neat, the more we get to know Jesus and the more we get to know how much he values us and wants to get to know us, that is such a comfort yeah. to young people. And then there's many other ways we get into in the book, such as serving and this and that, because it's amazing when you start serving and seeing sometimes where other people are in need and the difference that you can make in someone else's life, man, there is no greater boost to self-esteem when God is using you to impact others. Well, and you mentioned these four things are intertwined and just yeah. for people jumping in right now, self-image, screens, sexual situations, substance abuse, those yeah. are the four core things you cover in your book guy's guide to four battles every young man must face um let me mention that social media component in how it works in our self-image area Mm -hmm. and i think again we play down gender in this culture but gender has a role here boys and girls seemingly respond differently to social media and self-image so describe those differences how do teen girls and teen boys differ when it comes to social media impact Yeah, no, no. I mean, there's definite difference between the genders and and a lot of parents here, especially parents of younger boys, you sit and say, well, my boys aren't even interested in social media. They're interested in video games, right? Well, it's interesting because most young people, when they're playing video games, have a headset on and are connecting with someone else. And that's actually kind of a social media there because you're chatting with, sadly, very often a stranger. And we've talked about that in past broadcasts, but where girls for sure, very often it's that connecting, you know, uh, going through that instant. Instagram scroll and, and looking at what others are doing. But it is interesting because uh, don't discount the fact that guys really do also then, you know, when they're done playing video games and stuff, they do often go to that social media feed because social media, it's just a reality of how young people connect with each other today. It, it's its a playground. Yeah, it, it, It's a place where people get to know each other, where they try to measure up. Um, you know, it's, there's a pecking order on social media. And so this is where young people kind of navigate and communicate. And very often if something happens, it's portrayed on social media. If you want to embarrass somebody, take a picture of them, post it on social media. This is the playground of today. It's, and that's why we need to talk to young people about this and equip them for this journey on social media, instead of just throwing them the car keys and saying, good luck. How many parents do you talk to, Jonathan, that would like to have that conversation, but they haven't been able to overcome the allure of social media themselves? Yeah, you know, I think that's true. And I think it's also not knowing where to start that conversation. But for sure, I mean, when moms and dads themselves are on Instagram or Facebook, and our kids aren't on Facebook, but they're on Instagram, you know, and I don't know where to navigate. What am I supposed to say? Don't do this thing that I do, you know? So yeah, it is tough. And and that's one of the reasons where I try to create tools like this book. Mm -hmm. There are things we can put in the hands of a young man and we can dialogue with them about the stuff that matters. You know, we can have these conversations about the time they're spending on screens. And I mean, and honestly, the reason I put discussion questions at the end of a chapter is so because I hope that a mom doesn't just hand this to her kid. I hope that a mom or dad says, hey, let's go to breakfast this week and talk about 
chapter seven. Kind of use it as a as yeah. a study, absolutely sort of format. Uh, you do mention something else in the book that caught my attention. Kind of this phrase that's in the culture. I don't hear this much at our house, but the "you do you." kind of phrase, which I think I get that, you know, be who you are, be yourself, empowerment, you know, concentrate on what you are and that kind of thing. I, what are you driving at there? Well, I just, I see that so much. I mean, you see, I, I think I saw a movie recently where there was a commercial at the beginning as a commercial for a Diet Coke or something like that. <laughs> and and the girl was just like, hey, you can do what you want. If you want to do this, that's fine. You do you. And there's, it's the trendy thing to just kind of say, hey, you got to do what feels right at the moment. And we talk a little bit about indulging and are there consequences? And does that actually affect others? These are things that we need to navigate because again, when young people are connected to nine plus hours a day on average nine. of entertainment media, yeah. you know, that's a lot of messages in their head kind of affirming them that, hey, just, you know, go for it, live for the moment, you know, yeah, let go, lose control. These are the messages we hear in music more than anything else. Yeah. Let go, lose control. Yeah. And we need to explain those. And it's in direct contradiction to a person of faith, a Christian who wants Absolutely. to follow what Christ says to do, which is to love your neighbor, to lay your life down for others. I mean, that's so contrary to you do you. <laughs> and, and that's that's why I love to, and I use a book like this as a perfect excuse to kind of almost just throw down that contrast and instead of preaching at the kid, say, hey, here, we hear these messages in our culture and here's what the Bible says. Huh, what do you make of this? Yeah. And kids are smart. A lot of these guys will sit there and go, wow, yeah, you know, that that doesn't mesh, right. you know, and they've seen that. And so that's what I try to do. And I try to I tell true stories uh, of young people and some of these struggles and what happened in their lives. And it's good to kind of explore that and be able to think and go, hey, is that the road I really want to go down? Yeah. Hey, Jonathan, as we leave, there is that one burning question uh, of the parents who feel they're losing hope for their son. That maybe, you know, they just weren't aware, they weren't connected or whatever reason, not to apply guilt to the situation, but their sons outmaneuvered them and they made poor decisions. And maybe that parent feels like, uh, I don't know what to do. I don't feel hope. How do I get engaged again in my son's life? What recommendation do you have? Where do you start? Well, the key is in the words that you chose in that question, how do I get engaged in my son's life? I think our tendency is to panic, to overreact, and to slap on all the rules. And really what's really important is the relationship. And, and, and you know me, I, I'm not saying no rules, but sometimes our tendency is to just be so focused on the rules that we forget the relationship. And the key thing is to find ways to get into our kids' world, spend time with them. Maybe that means sitting down, playing video games with them, you know, doing what they like to do and hang out with them and look for those opportunities to just enter their world and engage in meaningful conversation about the stuff that matters. Yeah. The more we invest in them, then they're gonna navigate some of these conversations with you. And that's where values are passed on. Jonathan, this is so good. And the advice you give in your book, Guy's Guide to Four Battles Every Young Man Must Face. This is the kind of practical help that parents need. And I, I'm speaking as a parent of teen boys. Mm -hmm. I mean, this is good stuff. And I'm going to hopefully uh, have my boys and I read this together and mm -hmm. go through it. Because it really does equip them to answer big questions that they need to answer about what they're doing in their lives and are they making right decisions. And mom and dad, the reality is um, you're not always sure. 
you may know, but teen boys are smart, mm-hmm. and they can outmaneuver you so easily. <laughs> and uh, and that you need to start with that understanding that it may not be what you think it is, mm-hmm. and that's a healthy place to start. And then begin that dialogue to make sure they're you know hopefully making wise and biblically informed decisions about their life, and that's what we want as Christian parents. Well, what an insightful conversation with Jonathan McKee today on Focus on the Family. And as you're raising boys, these are definitely thoughts to keep in mind, and I trust you've been encouraged to have greater dialogue with your son. On behalf of Jim Daly and the entire team, thanks for joining us for this Focus on the Family broadcast. I'm John Fuller. I'm really glad that Jonathan McKee is speaking straight to the point when it comes to issues facing boys today. And as the conversation headed towards social media, I thought what Jonathan alluded to was spot on. People are getting caught up with how many likes they have on social media and finding identity in that instead of finding out what God thinks about them. So parents, Take Jonathan's advice and dialogue with your kids about these matters. And then, of course, use resources to help your kids navigate the battles. We have a book called What a Son Needs from His Dad, How a Man Prepares His Sons for Life. This is a book that encourages fathers to become the men they want their sons to imitate. To order your copy, visit our website at safamily.co.za or give us a call on 031-716-3300. I'm Alison Schnell for Focus on the Family Africa, inviting you to join us next time when we'll once again help you and your family thrive in Christ.